Good evening and welcome into another episode of Outdoor Adventures here on Twin Cities News Talk. I'm Stan Poggle and my host of the show, legendary guide and freshwater fishing hall of famer, Chris Kudak, is going to be checking in here shortly. I just want to let the listeners know um, he's sucking on his thumb right about now, uh, wrapped in blankets. He's got the... Got the blankets around him, the heating pad, the the hot water bottle, thermometer sticking out of his mouth. Probably got a couple of shots of brandy next to him. Are you feeling any better, Kudak? Kudak. Yeah. Are you feeling any better? No. I feel like a tractor run me over and then backed up run me over again. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe if it wouldn't have been for that second time, it came back over you. But, uh, you know, I, I've been telling you for years, I, I think we're coming up on, what, three years of doing this show. And, you know, those women are going to get you sick once in a while. You know, you keep playing kissy face all the time. It's going to come back and get you one of these days. I, I've been telling you that. Well, you know, I don't think I have that problem because I've been sick for about three weeks. I think I, you know, it's right before deer and I usually get it. And this year, it's it's the coughing, the runny nose. I mean, I, I I ache. There's days that I really ache, but you know, I I'm not sick. Sick. I just I once I start coughing, it's it's 20 minutes or an hour coughing. You, know, you cough so bad, it feels like you're gonna blow your ribs and your back out. Yeah, and it also, uh, you know, your voice cracks a little bit. I know I was chatting with you the other day, and you you went from a 50 year old man to to a 15 year old going through puberty over the phone. You know, it was it was pretty funny talking to you. Yeah, my granddaughter she said the same thing. She says, "Grandpa, what's wrong with you? You don't sound so good." And I told her I was sick. She says, "Grandpa, you gotta quit drinking that monkey juice." She says. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. The monkey juice will definitely uh, get you in trouble. But uh, you know, not uh, you know rain on your sickness and, and make you feel any worse, but it sounds like you might. I might have to go get a get a uh, hunting license because I might have to take your spot in the deer stand. It's it's looking the way it goes. This you're going downhill really fast. Well, I already got my licenses. I got everything bought. I went and bought uh, chains for my chainsaw the other day. I was up on the lake with some some customers from uh, uh, Kansas City that were in town, and we went up and we. Uh, Got some bass one day, and then we were out on, uh, I believe it was Thursday or Wednesday, and we ended up, we uh, right before the storm come, we we went out, and I went one of my little spots there, and by golly, the walleyes were there, and we were using the Slimer leeches, uh, phony ones, and I think we ended up catching, I don't know, 20, 25 walleyes, and we fished for three, four hours before the, before the wind started blowing and the rain came in, but... I'll tell you what, we had a good time, and they were all nice walleyes, all three, four, two, five-pounders, but we had fun. Well, I, I have to tell you, I don't know if I even mentioned to you, but I did, uh, you know, like you always say, even a blind squirrel finds it not once in a while, and I found a real nice walleye. I was out with the secretary doing a little shore fishing out in southwest Minnesota here last weekend, and a uh, little... Hot hole out there, a little uh, gem in the area, and uh, hooked into one. So I, I was pretty pumped up about that, and I'm looking forward to eating the little guy here coming up here shortly. Well, that's good. She caught a fish for you. 
Did she clean it too? No, I caught it. I cleaned it. I'm probably going to have to cook the dang thing. I tell you what, these women all want these equal rights, you know, but when it comes to fishing, I tell you what, it's not all it equal sometimes. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, that, that, that I was watching the politics since I haven't been doing too much. And that cabinet, the way it sounds, he's going to be, uh, get elected into office there. Well, you know what? I'm sitting here thinking. All these politicians, and my girlfriend Sue there, she should get on this bandwagon now. Let's, all these politicians that are running for, for office, let's go back 30 years and see what kind of junk they've been into. And, and lay it on the table. And then when you're going for elections, you put them all in a, you get them in a convention center, you line them all up on a table, you put all these liberals and Democrats, Republicans, and the other numbnuts and this numbnut, and you let them ask their questions to all these people to find out how much trouble they I mean, every kid gets in trouble. Yeah. I mean, you know, just let's, let's get it all aired out so it doesn't cost the taxpayers millions of dollars. What do you think these three women cost the taxpayers for all this court? And you know what? They should make it since, since they couldn't prove it, they should make them pay it. Yeah, that's a good point. We chatted a little bit about that on Sue's show, as a matter of fact, and and other people have mentioned it too. You know, they should have to pay restitution if if it's something that's a made up, fabricated story. Because, like you say, there's a lot of money invested, there's a lot of time invested. It's it's time that our you know legislators can't work on the things they should be working on. Instead, they're playing you know uh, good cop, bad cop with and and being being the middleman judge, so to speak, in all these congressional hearings, it kind of gets old. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, and there's politics in everything. I mean, it doesn't matter. Hunting, fishing, there's all politics. In it. But when the guy is going for a big office like that or, or what, state senate representative, you know what? Before you even put your name in the hat, you know what? Go do a background check on this guy. Go, go, go through his deal. And if he's that dirty, well, he ain't running. I mean, if, look at this Ellison. He's got proven facts that he beat the crap out of his girlfriend, black eyes all over the TV. He ain't saying nothing about the guy. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing how it works, doesn't it? And that's the thing. I think they probably do do some background checks on a lot of these guys, but at the same time, when there's that much uh, power and that much money behind it, 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 it kind of gets hidden from the people, unfortunately. I guess what you want to call well, us, us normal it, folks the, like you and I. The best one is the whole works, and I just chuckle about it. it was, I was talking with my customers the other day. I said, look at Bill Clinton, president in the office. He's been caught with three, four women. His wife caught him. Everybody's caught him. Did they do an investigation? Did they do it? No. They brushed it under the table. This guy's going for a court, Supreme Justice Court. I hate the president, but they don't do nothing to him. I'm thinking, and, and Clinton's not the only one. You can go through a whole list of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Let's talk about fishing enough of these. These lying politicians, I don't want to talk about them anymore. Well, uh, you got, I got to save your voice for the end of the show because if we get you on politics, I tell you what, it, your voice might not come back for a month. But, yeah, the news is out there in case you haven't heard. If you've been under a rock for the last uh, couple of hours, uh, it was announced on Sue's show. We had uh, live coverage from Fox here on uh, Twin Cities News Talk. But uh, Judge Kavanaugh has been confirmed as the newest member of the uh, Supreme Court. So uh, we will 
probably touch a little bit on that, maybe uh, recap that here a little bit later in the show. But uh, speaking of politics, uh, we're going to have our good buddy Rob Dreesline from the Outdoor News, and he kind of follows all the kind of the outdoor politics, if you will. So he should have some good information, I'm sure, again for us today. Well, we got to ask him because I heard Perm had delivered a letter to President Trump about the treaty on Mille Lacs Lake. So I'm sure he knows more about it. I just heard bits and pieces. So we're going to make sure we have to ask him about that and, and see whatever, what other, other politics are going on. Because like I said, I have, I have been kind of under the weather for the last four or five days here. Yeah, I know he said he had lots to talk about. He didn't really elaborate, so I'll give him a shout here during the break. We'll get him on the line, and Rob Dreesline from the Outdoor News, he will be uh, coming up next here on Outdoor Adventures. If you'd like to chime in, 651-989-5855. This is Outdoor Adventures. Back more outdoor adventures here on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 FM 103.5 and the free iHeartRadio app. Want to remind you as well, check us out on Facebook. All the links to our uh, fans and friends there on Facebook. Some great pictures, some great videos, great information as well. Just search Outdoor Adventures on Facebook. And we're going to be bringing in a friend right now from the Outdoor News our good friend Rob Dreesline going to be joining us and uh, giving us all the lowdown and up down as well on the uh, latest what's going on in the legislature, uh, how the numbers are doing, recruitment, retention, all that good stuff in the outdoors. So let's bring him in right now, Rob Dreesline of the Outdoor News. How are we doing today, bud? Hey, really good. It's good to, good to chat with you guys. Uh, kind of a cool weekend, but... Uh... I love this time of year. I, I don't mind the cool after after all the heat we had this summer. Yeah, exactly. Fall is my favorite time of the year. I wish we would have some, you know, not go into late fall right away like we have. We've been stuck yeah. in the fifties, it seems like forever. But uh, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of the hunters out there are probably uh, maybe glad it's cooled down a bit. I know the deer hunters opening weekend was uh, very warm for the bow hunters, so I'm sure they're uh, enjoying their time out in the woods now that it's a little bit cooler. Yeah, that would have been what three weeks ago already. Uh, so yeah, I would think uh, this cooler weather's got the got the deer uh, mildly activated. Um, you know, moving a little more. You know, the rut isn't on, but they're a little more willing to maybe feed during the light lighter hours of the day when hunters uh, can see them and maybe get a shot. Uh, this uh, this cool is great for the dog work. Uh, you know, guys out uh, grouse hunting. Uh, we got the, what pheasant opener that next weekend, I believe. Uh, you know, that'll this this cooler weather will be nice for running dogs. Yeah, you know, I was out carousing here a little between my uh, running to the doctor and doing this, and I seen lots of turkeys out. You know, it's still pretty green here, but we had a frost here a week ago, and the leaves are starting to really change, starting to fall. So the, you know, the 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 and the, and the farmers are getting them, getting their beans, getting their corn out. So you know, it's that time of the year. Everybody's everybody's starting to move in, in their fields, and once they get that going, you know. And the deer hunters got a little, you know, the deer are in the woods more often. <laughs> yeah, it has been wet, 
uh, and I got to think that's going to that's going to decelerate, maybe slow down some of the crop harvest. But uh, that can change quickly. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how crop harvest is in another couple weeks, which you know that's going to be a very a lot of interest to us as we approach the deer opener. So Rob Dreesline is our guest, uh, managing editor of the Outdoor News, and uh, always in the know as far as outdoor activities, good and bad. Um, let's start out with the bad and just get it out of the way, but I read some numbers, and you mentioned it as well, Rob, but uh, numbers as far as hunters out there when it comes to small game licenses, not looking too good for uh, for Minnesota as of late. Yeah, I mean, we've seen waterfowl numbers, especially duck hunter numbers, decline for a number of years. But, uh, we, you know, we've been, you've heard me rant, you know, for the better part of a decade about our, our loss of CRP acres, our loss of grassland, and what that's going to do to pheasant hunters. And last year, it really sounds like uh, it, it, we reached a new low. Uh, I mean, we were down to, what, 45,000 pheasant hunters? I mean, that's almost a third of what it was 10 years ago when we were at peak CRP. Uh, we were killing... Uh, Ten years ago, we killed 655,000 pheasants. Last year, it was down to 172,000. Uh, so, you know, we should have, we should sell a lot of pheasant stamps in this state. This should be a good pheasant hunting state. And uh, it's just it's just declined dramatically. And, it, you know, it's a number of factors. I mean, we've had some tough winters, but mostly it's, uh, it's just loss of uh, grassland. But we did talk, I think it was the last time we had you on here, Rob, as far as, as the new buffer uh requirement by farmers that what is it the 50 foot rule and yeah. that should should add a lot of habitat but but in defense or on the flip side of it you know i i, I was in iowa for a few years and i'll tell you what there's nobody that farms any more than they do down there hardly uh it's you know no less than here in minnesota now granted they may maybe have more uh grasslands i guess or uh, prairie grasslands or CRP lands, as you mentioned, but as far as you know, farming right up to the to the uh, fog line on the highway, they do the same thing down there as they they do up here in Minnesota. But they always seem to have more birds down there. Why is that? You know, I'd have to see what the harvest is, Stan. I, I don't know that their harvest is much, very much more than ours. I mean, certainly they're farther south. I'd like to think maybe their winters aren't as tough on the birds as ours are. Um, you know, I. I'd have to see numbers stand before I before I'd want to delve too deep in that. I, I know pheasant hunter the harvest pheasant harvest in Iowa has has tanked, uh, and that goes back twenty years. That that's that's generally dropped. Yeah, sure. I, I don't you know I know some people that got property down there in Utah. Years ago, it used to be pretty good. I don't think their 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 pheasants are as, as good as everybody thinks they are down there. I think Minnesota is probably a little higher. You know, we're nowhere near South Dakota, and I don't think we ever will be what South Dakota's got. But, uh, Rob, have you heard anything about this perm letter that these guys sent to the president? Yeah, not only have I heard about it, we printed it on page three of this week's Outdoor News. Um, it's in our commentary slot. Uh, it was uh, drafted, uh, drafted by uh, the perm president, uh, Doug Mayenberg. Um, good guy. I've gotten to know a little bit over the past few years. Something I think the three of us have talked about in the past that, you know, the, the, that was the 1998 or 99 Supreme, I think it was 1999, uh, we, we had the 5-4 Supreme Court ruling on the Mille Lac Treaty case. When the five majority judges, uh, the judges who ruled in favor of the bans, went out of their way at the end of their ruling to say that if, it, you know, if a future president decided this is no longer the pleasure of this president, 
uh, he or she could um, basically repeal uh, the treaty. I mean, the treaty says these rights exist at the pleasure of the president. So that you know, those justices said uh, this remains the purview of a, of a future president. And uh, Penn wrote this letter saying to Donald Trump, saying, you know, if there's ever been a president that might tackle this, we think you're the guy. And uh, I'd encourage folks to read it. Uh, yeah, it's on page three of this week's Outdoor News. I think they've also got it posted at their web- website, perm.org. And how do you, with the news we had today of Kavanaugh being confirmed, I'm guessing that may be a different outcome if they do uh, take it back to court. Okay, well, a, c- a couple points there. We're, we're not even talking about going back to court here. Okay. We're, we're, you know, this, there's, there's like 38 words in the, in the entire tree that, that had to do with hunting and fishing rights. And at the end, they, they, the, the, the treaty said that these rights exist at the pleasure of the president. The big treaty rights case in the late 90s, the, more, the essence of that case was whether or not an 1855 presidential order from Zachary Taylor revoked these rights. Now, the, in the 5-4 ruling, the Supreme Court said, no, it didn't. There were a bunch of reasons. I'm not going to get into why. They said it, that one did not revoke these rights. But they said if a future president wanted to, he or she could do that. Now, to the Supreme Court, if, if that case went to the court today, which it won't, there's, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's no litigation going on right now that could lead to the Supreme Court. But if it did, I, I think the state would win. If that same case went to, went to the Supreme Court today, I think the state would win 7-2. Yeah, I believe you're right. Well, it sounds like a confusing mess. Just you explaining it to me here, I, I, my eyes are kind of flickering a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I've, <laughs> I've reported on this a lot, and believe it or not, I, I could make it a lot more complicated than I did. I just yep. scratched the surface of the whole thing. Yeah, it definitely is a, a complex issue when you're talking, you know, because the way I understand it, the 90s ruling ruled actually on the previous treaty is... The, 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 the 1999 ruling was was litigating a dispute between the bands and the state, and then there were some landowners that were also filed an amicus brief in the case over whether or not the bands had hunting and fishing rights in the 1837 treaty area. They 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 said we have never we have never sought to uh, use these rights in this area, but we believe based on the treaty we do. We do not need state regulation anymore to go do this. The state said yes, you do. It went to court, and it, it, it went through several layers of court, of course. You know, uh, uh, district court, state court, that sort of thing. It ended up in the U.S. Supreme Court, and in a 5-4 ruling, the U.S. Supreme Court sided with the bans. Gotcha. I'm saying, given the change that has occurred in the, in the Supreme Court since 1999, it would go the other way by probably a strong majority. Sure, sure. So is that something that, I mean, would you think they would ever, I don't know if you appeal it, I'm not... I'm not uh, that uh, flush on my uh, court knowledge, but would you appeal that ruling, or how would it how would it end up back, and would that ever be possible, or do you think it would possibly uh, be something the state would look at, or well, okay. citizens? Again, or? we're talking about two separate branches of government here. Yeah, I, I mean, is there another aspect, another facet of the case that perhaps the state someday could sue on, or there could be a dispute? You know, there were other elements of the of, of the dispute that maybe the Supreme Court didn't delve into in, in depth. And if there were that litigation, could it go eventually all the way up to the Supreme Court again? It, don't forget, this thing started in the early 90s. It took six or seven years to get to the U.S. Supreme Court. Could that happen? And could it, you know, um, a friendlier 
Supreme Court eventually rule in the state? Possibly. There's nowhere else to appeal it to, Stan. The U.S. Supreme Court's the top court in the land. So, yeah, there's the litigation side, the judicial branch, but the executive branch, that gets back to the wording of the, of the treaty that says this is at the pleasure of the president. And Donald Trump or any president could, based on that past ruling, revoke these rights. Now, of course, I suppose the bans or it could, could you know, say, could take that to court, too, right? Everything can go back to court. But my, my point is there would potentially be two ways this could be worked out again. I don't ever see it going through litigation again. My next question is, Rob, is, all right, say, you know, the Indians got their casino. Well, why can't, if we get this new governor in, and he says, okay, let's uh, let's open up five state-run casinos and pay our taxes, our parks, our uh, our our fundings, our our outdoor stuff. So what would happen then? Well, I mean that, that you're getting into the gaming compacts there, and I don't know all the details left. But let, let's say the gaming compacts would allow that. Um, absolutely, the, the state could say we we want to allow more gambling, and then the bands could say we don't want you to do that. Let's negotiate. What what do we have we can negotiate? I, I guess that's a scenario that potentially could happen, Chris. Because I talked to these customers I had this week. They were from down uh, Oklahoma, Kansas City down there. You know, the, the natives got the casinos down there, and so does the state-run casinos. Sure, sure. And, you know, they had their, their uh, you know, kind of like we had their gathering rights to this and that. They, they, got it, they got it all worked out. I mean, it worked out good for the state. It worked out good for them. Well, that, that's one for state politicians to tackle. If they want to, you know, suggest we need more gambling in the state, state-run casinos and uh, negotiate with the bands over that, uh, they could do that. I guess that's an option. And that has nothing to do with the courts or the president. Yep. Rob Dreeslein is our guest from the Outdoor News publication. You can check him out at OutdoorNews.com and get a subscription there as well. Uh, we already chatted some small game numbers. Uh, also, you wanted to chat about... Uh, the Lottery Trust Fund, and uh sounds like there may be some things going on with that, so we'll find out more about that with our guest Rob Dreesline of the Outdoor News when we continue here on Outdoor Adventures right after the news. I'm just a common man, drive a common van, my dog ain't got a pedigree, if I have my say, gonna stay that way, cause highbrow people lose their sanity, and a common man is what I'll be. Into the second half of Outdoor Adventures on Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130. Don't forget, you can download the free iHeartRadio app and get Outdoor Adventures anytime. Download the free iHeartRadio app, search Outdoor Adventures, and you also give us one of those follow clicks on there, and then you'll never miss an episode of the show. Because We all know, Kudak, you, you don't want that to happen. I mean, that would ruin your day or your week or your month. So check yeah. out that iHeartRadio app. And Rob Dreesline of the Outdoor News is our guest this hour, and we've been chatting a lot of different things. But uh, I wanted to ask you, Rob, about this uh, trust fund with the lottery dollars. Uh, what's what's the latest with that, and uh, what's happening there? Yeah, I like the uh, Supreme Court ruling with the 1837 treaty. This one can get complicated fast, so I, I don't want to get too bogged down it. But, you know, suffice to say, we may have talked about this a month or so ago, guys, but at, at the end of the session we had... Uh, some legislators, uh, kind of, what, what, what's kind of being called a raid of the Environmental Trust Fund, which that, that, that money ultimately comes mostly from your state lottery tickets. And, you know, that's supposed to be for, for conservation projects, for research, that sort of thing. 
and the legislature decide, well, we, we don't want to we don't want to increase our bonding bill for infrastructure, and gosh, we can't raise taxes and have a bigger general fund, so let's go after these lottery dollars and use it for wastewater treatment infrastructure in western Minnesota. Uh, and so basically the worry, well, so there's a lot of green groups, a lot of folks are saying that's unacceptable. They filed a lawsuit. A number of conservation groups signed on to the lawsuit also, uh, including the Minnesota Outdoor Heritage Alliance in MOHA. They're the umbrella group for all these conservation groups. Uh, Stan or you guys, maybe, Chris, I don't know, maybe you've been to the MOHA banquet in St. Paul every year. But they basically said the reason we're signing on to this, guys, is because if you can do it with ETF, the Environmental Trust Fund, you can do it with legacy, you know, with, this, with the state sales tax uh, that we passed in 2008 that's, that's helped fund all kinds of great conservation project, projects. That's also a dedicated fund, and where everyone's just worried, if you can do this to the lottery, you can do it to legacy, and that's why uh, that's why a lot of conservation groups are upset about this too. Well, and that seems to have been happening for quite a while. They create, you know, even if it's the highway fund, they take from this fund or take from that fund, and they always come up with more quote funds to fund, and then they end up digging into the other cookie jar to to fill up the cookie jar they already emptied and and it just doesn't make a lot of sense and they always seem to want to have more money and it would be nice that you know unlike this again they're 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 taking money from our from our outdoor funds to pay for things that should be paid for with our taxes and you know when is it going to end as far as that goes that's what kind of bothers me about it well, you know, they weren't taking care of these projects, outdoor environmental conservation projects with general fund. And that's why, uh, you know, the groups, the outdoor user groups said we need to create these funds, ETF and, and the legacy sales tax. And the difference maybe between that and what you described as, you know, the highways, that sort of thing is these are constitutionally dedicated. Uh, this, this is, you, they really had to work it. They really, I believe they had to rewrite a law or something to, to pull this off. Uh, and uh, we, we just we got to defend these these dollars. Uh, we fought to create them, and we can't let them get siphoned away. Well, that that's my point, though. That this is supposed to be dedicated for, in this case, outdoor projects, and it's not being used for that. And it's it's unfortunate that you know they they have all these different avenues, and and they still can't come up with with enough uh, money to pay for everything, but at the same time, if they have this special one for the outdoors, then it should be used for outdoors, not for, you know, painting bridges or, you know, putting sewer pipes in people's houses or yeah, whatever no, it is. absolutely. That, that's what a bonding bill is for. That's why we have bonding bills every two years, uh, that, you know, for that kind of infrastructure. So, anyway, like I say, it, it's getting into the weeds, but Javier Cerner's got a great story about that uh, in outdoor news this week that really breaks it down. And uh, some more uh, good news. I know uh, Kuduk, uh, there's two more guys. Sounds like it's going to be going into the uh, Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. There's a whole uh, pile of them going in here this year, it looks like. Yeah, I believe they got Chip Lear. That's the only one I've heard so far. Chip Lear and uh, Matt Straw is the other Minnesota. Oh, Matt Straw for being fisherman. Very good, very good. Yeah, super nice guy. Good, good, good. Can't say enough about Matt Straw. He's a good guy. Yeah, both both great guys. Uh, we've got the, the complete release at OutdoorNews.com. I believe Les Meister is going to write a column about those two guys in next week's print edition. Um, so yeah, they won't get inducted. I think they do that at the Northwest Sports Show. So yeah, we, we get we do them at the Northwest Show. At, yep. Uh, you know, at, at, on that Saturday, the last Saturday, we usually do it there. And that's what in March, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. In March. 
Yep, so uh, congratulations to those two Minnesotans there uh, joining Kudak in the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. And uh, also, uh, there was something else I was going to ask you about. Right, have uh, you guys talked about wolves yet? The wolf No, that, that, I'm glad you remembered it because for me because that was exactly what I was going to ask you about because I saw a story here oh, about a week or two ago where they were releasing uh, wolves back onto Isle Royal. Apparently, the moose population is out of control. Uh, what do you think about the whole situation, Rob? Well, yeah, so there's a couple of moose stores. One, there's our state estimate, and I wrote a blog about that. We could talk about that if you got time. But the Isle Royal thing, you know, I backpacked Isle Royal in 1994, I believe, was the year I backpacked it. And that, that was the last time the moose population totally peaked. And it, it was the, the 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 wolves had crashed at that time. I think the parvo virus had gotten on the island, and there was like ten wolves left. So there was the place was crawling with moose. Uh, the browse line was really conspicuous everywhere. I mean, anywhere a moose could reach, there was no vegetation. And we were we would be backpacking, and there'd be like this dead moose carcass near the trail, and it would just stink. I mean, you know, they they clearly were eating themselves out of house and home. Well, the wolves eventually bounced back. They built resistance to parvo virus, and they knocked the moose back down. Well. I guess what happened is, you know, the wolves got all inbred to the point that they died off, and, and we're not getting the, the, the harsh winters anymore that are allowing the wolves to run out there over the ice to the, from the mainland. So, you know, they said, uh, what's the cheapest way to, to manage these moose again? And they said, we're going to release a, you know, a few wolves from the mainland. Um, I wrote a column earlier this year saying I, I basically support it. I think it's probably the cheapest way to, to manage the moose out there. You know, some people have said, well, why don't we hunt them? Um, I'll tell you, it's a wilderness island. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> that would be a challenge. It's an expensive place to get to. So I, I'm mostly on board with it, guys. Why wouldn't they just get, couldn't they get the young ones, airlift them, and, and transplant them up in northern Minnesota somewhere? Transplant the moose to Minnesota? Is that, that what you're saying, Chris? Um, you know that's a that's a much more expensive venture than you probably think it is. I mean, oh, I, yeah, I understand that, but you know all the moose in northern Minnesota are gone because of the wolves. Well, if they got so many on the island, I mean, you'd think that they could, air, you know, helicopter airlift them over to the land, put them on a semi or flatbed in a cage, bring them over and drop them off. Okay, well, have you been to Isle Royale? I mean, there's there's small ferries that go out there. It's it's not yeah, really yeah I, I've been there. I mean, rounding up moose, I man. <laughs> yeah, I Kuda, we'll send Kudak out there. He can go beat him down with a baseball bat a little bit, slow him down, and then uh, he can hook him up to the helicopter. Well, they, and fly you know, him well, out they shoot him, but they <laughs> tranquilize him. Was what they do? They shoot him, with, you know. It's like going down Texas shooting pigs. Shoot them out of the helicopter. But that's open. I mean, Isle Royale is a heavily forested, rugged place. I, I, I don't. You might be able to get a few. And I mean, okay, so you're running around out there in helicopters. You, you got manpower. You got helicopter rental. I, I think you could rack up some pretty big bills pretty darn fast doing that. Yeah, I'm but sure there'd be nobody complaining the about the cost of that. That is for sure. I mean, yeah. It's been a lot worse than any other things than that. Well, I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, Rob, where can people get a hold of you at if they want to get a story? You know, I'm, I'm on Twitter, my uh, at ODN underscore editor. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram now. My email is editor at outdoornews.com. If anyone doesn't like something I've said in the past half hour and you're mad at me, give me feel free to email anytime, editor at outdoornews.com. Dot com uh, or and check out our website outdoornews.com. Wow, you're really keeping up on the times. Uh, I thought I thought uh, Kudak was way behind, but I'm way behind you. Twitter, 
Instagram. Wow, <laughs> you're just you're just like the cool kids now. Yeah, I'm kind of putzing around. You know, I got kids, so that helps. Yeah, you know, with the Instagram thing. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. We'll maybe have to check you out. I'll have my friends uh, look you up because uh, I, I just don't need another thing. In fact, the phone I have right now, it's rivaling Kudux because mine broke, so I'm waiting to get it back. So I'm on the original uh, Galaxy 1, and uh, oh, yeah? they could not believe I had that thing. I found it laying around, and I'm like, well, at least it uh, makes phone calls and receives texts so I can uh, be in, uh, on the grid at least until I get my new phone back. So. Some of this phone stuff's gotten out of control. When, when we're buying insurance for our phones, I think we're spending too much on phones. Yeah, and you have a monthly installment fan plan. Yeah. I mean, my parents, they still got the old one in the basement. It's still hanging on the wall. It's been there for, you know, 45 years, and it still works, you know? Yeah. Where now? wrong when my phone is worth more than my car. Yeah, exactly. Rob Dreesline of the Outdoor News, uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Great information as always, and uh, we encourage people to go check you out at OutdoorNews.com. Uh, got any big plans for the weekend? you going to get outdoors, or are you staying at home with the family, or what's going on? You know, I'm looking forward to MEA weekend. Uh, I think I might take a couple of my boys and take advantage of that uh, youth deer hunt over, over MEA. That's just uh, two weeks away, and, and maybe uh, try to pop some ducks down in the Minnesota. Uh, Min- Mississippi River Bottoms down uh, Winona Cross area. Sounds great. Well, you enjoy your time, and thanks for checking in. Yeah, it's great talking to you guys. Have a great weekend. Take it easy. That is Rob Dreesline, uh, Managing Editor of the Outdoor News. You can find him at OutdoorNews.com. Uh, one of the great publications here right in the state of Minnesota, Kuduk, and they always got a, got a lot of stuff in there for you to read when it comes to the outdoors. Yeah, and we got to remember, though, I forgot. Matt, my granddaughter's friend, Maddie, Opets from over in the holding port. It was her birthday last night, so I better say happy birthday to her. And we got to say congratulations to Steve Panazza's son. He is the homecoming king for Orno. Oh, no way. Piercy Pooh? Yeah, Piercy Pooh. Piercy is the homecoming. They had a picture up on Facebook with Mom Panaz, Dad Panaz, and Piercy in the middle, and they were smooching him on the cheek. He didn't look like a happy camper. <laughs> he didn't want to get one from the old man, huh? <laughs> well, the old man was giving him one on one cheek, and Mom was giving him one on the other. He looked like, get away from me, you two. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I'll have to find that out. I did not see that uh, on Facebook yet, so I'll go check that out for sure. So congratulations to him. And I think he's uh, speaking at, uh, I think it's coming up here if it hadn't happened already, but he was at uh, this uh, big uh, Wally meeting too uh, down, I think it was in Bloomington. It may be coming up yet, but uh, I'll try to find that and post that on our Outdoor Adventures page as well if you'd like to learn more on that. Uh, I was out the other day uh, doing a little fishing, Kudux, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and we'll uh, check in with some other uh, news from the outdoors coming up here when we wrap things up. On Outdoor Adventures, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 103.5, and the free iHeartRadio app. segment of Outdoor Adventures here on Twin Cities News Talk. You know that one, Kudak? 
Oh yeah. Yeah, that was, I I think that was the first concert I ever went to was Ozzy Osbourne and and, and this will uh, not only uh, age me but also age Ozzy Osbourne as well. But I believe it was 1994. It was his the name of the tour was the Retirement Sucks Tour, which meant this was supposed to be Ozzy's last tour. So if you want to see him, you better come out and see him. That was in 1994. He's been suckering people for over 20 years. That's going to be his last show, and I think he still is playing live shows. So uh, still plenty of time to see Ozzy Osbourne if you haven't in the last uh, 40 years he's been on stage. Yeah, he's been around forever. He'll never retire until they put him in the grave. Yeah, he, uh, he, he probably should have been there a few times already from uh, some of the stories I've heard. But uh, it was definitely a, a fun show, and uh, it, was, it was a memorable one. It was a good one uh, for the first show. It uh, got me into that type of music, and uh, I, guess I, I guess I never looked back since. So, uh, Kudak, we got to chat a little bit about some things uh, going on. Of course, uh, they got that uh, special uh, deer hunt coming up in uh, in the southeast part of the state. That's kind of that uh, CWD area. So there's some special uh, special uh, uh, things that go along it. But uh, they have a special hunt down there coming up. And also, uh, Rob mentioned it here before we went to break. Uh, coming up uh, MEA weekend, they got that special youth uh, hunt. So if you're if you're a kid and you're accompanied by an adult, 18 or older, you can go out and uh, bag a deer that day, and it's kind of a special hunt. And, you know, it's a good good thing to get the kids involved, too, kind of get them started in it. And, you know, they don't have to – they have to still get their uh, licenses and stuff and their fire background, but it's kind of a special hunt. Uh, give them an extra a little bit of time and a little bit of extra chance to get that deer. Oh, yeah, you, you get the kids out, out and about in the woods and – you know, that, that young age, you can show them what to look for. You know, show them, you know, it's, it's not all about deer. Show them the wildlife. Show them the birds and the squirrels and the, and the deer sign. And, the, you know, maybe you'll get to see a wolf or a, or a you know, like me over where I hunt, a, a beaver or muskrats or, you know, there's all sorts of animals. You take the, don't, you tell them, leave your iPad, leave your phone back in the, you know, at home. Don't bring it with you. This is, you know, I, I, you know, Turtle, he comes out. Hunts with me. He's not old enough to shoot a deer, but you know he's got a BB gun or, or a twenty-two. You know, I let him shoot it. You know, I let some kids get out in the woods. That's like going fishing. Yeah, you take him on the boat. Yeah, you let him go do what he wants to do. Have a good time. Get him, get him off the TVs. Get him off the computers. Yeah, it definitely is a great time of the year. Like I mentioned earlier, though, it it is a little disappointing that. Uh, we didn't really get it's kind of went straight from the 80s and 90s down to the 50s and we've been kind of stuck there basically since uh deer deer opener uh bow hunting opener so it's been about 3 weeks since we've been at an average temperature and and I noticed last night I went out and did a little fishing on Minnetonka chatted with a few guys out there uh you know fishermen like the lie so maybe it wasn't true but they were all gone by the time i left so i'm guessing they didn't have much luck and when i talked to them they also mentioned they didn't have much luck but i think what happened last night and and you can maybe uh fill me in a little bit more but i know i've read a couple of articles on it uh but it seemed like the water turned over actually as i was fishing last night because I went out and it was about 53 degrees last night. I headed out about supper time around six o'clock. And then I uh, took the boat back this morning back to the marina 
and the water temperature was uh, 55 degrees. So it actually went up, even though the temperature never dropped or never got above probably 40 degrees that whole time. So, uh, and, and everything on shore was kind of mucked up, uh, kind of looked like pea soup on the shore. So I believe Lake Minnetonka turned over here last night, so it could be a couple of days before the fishing picks back up the way it sounds. Yeah, it's get that that transition there, but you you know start throwing some jigs and some minnows down you know on them channels or or you know you got a depth finder to both find some fish, put a jig and a minnow over the side, vertical jig them or pitch them. You should be able to get some fish in them channels, I would think. Now, I mean, I was fishing out of Max Twin Bay, and I wasn't very very far out the other day, and I was using them slimer leeches that that gentleman sent me, and I'll tell you what, I. I got. I, I'm a live bait guy, but more and more through the last few years, I've been using the Berkeley stuff. And uh, the guy from Wisconsin that we had on, he sent me some stuff for bass fishing. And you know what? These artificial baits work. I'm telling you, you put your time, you get confidence in them, you do the right thing with them, you'll catch fish on them. I mean, it's a, uh, it's amazing. Pretty soon, I don't know where our state's going. We probably won't be able to get live bait anymore because it's with all the regulations and all this and all that, they're running the bait dealers out of business. Well, that and it, and it's it's tough too for anglers. Now I you know I guess five bucks isn't a whole lot of money or what is it four bucks for a scoop of minnows, but at the same time you know a lot of times I'll go out especially if it's summertime. The thing that frustrates now like now you know it's cool enough the minnows stay for a while, but. You know, in the summertime, there's times I'll go get a scoop of minnows, and by the time I get to the lake, they're they're dang near half dead. And then by the time you are done fishing, you use two minnows, and the rest go to waste. So that whole scoop you bought basically it costs you two bucks a minnow because you only use a couple of them if the fish aren't biting. Well, what you got to do is you got to get the aerated buckets, you know, the coolers with the aerators in them, and and make sure you got cold water and you 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 know freeze a freeze a milk jug a or a pop juggle with ice and, and keep them cold. I mean, that's, that's the only way you can keep them. I mean, I, I got a big 50 or a five gallon or 10 gallon bucket that's got an aerator plugged into a battery that, you know, or, or, you know, you, you, you leave them up at the lake there. I got a laundry tub I could throw them in and run rake water, just let it recirculate all the time. And that'll keep them alive. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a crying shame that, that you can't keep them alive, you know. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what do you got going this week? I know you had a couple of launch trips in the cold here earlier this week. That's probably uh, where you got that bad cold. But uh, what's on the horizon for the next coming week? Well, I'm going to try to get in the deer woods and go clean out uh, deer stands. If I, if, I, if I just doesn't get any better, I'm heading into the hospital to see what they got. They got me on all kinds of medications, but none of them has worked. So I'm thinking either tomorrow or Monday I'm going to go into the hospital and have them check me over and see if they can, can't give me a shot or do something. Maybe one of those beavers in your yard. Maybe you got rabies or something. I mean, there's always beavers running around your place. No, no, I got the <laughs> trespassing sign up. I shot them on a read. Yeah. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, you get better for yourself, and uh, we'll chat to you soon, all right? Oh, by the way, uh, we found you a mermaid, so the secretary should be calling you soon. You found a mermaid? What? Yeah, we found you a mermaid. I got a phone call from somebody that said, Tell Stan, we found him a mermaid. Oh, boy. I can't wait to hear about it. I'll, I'll be in touch.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's legendary guide and freshwater fishing Hall of Famer Chris Kudak. And uh, all-around American BS or two, I guess. I'm Stan Poggle, two-time reigning bottle bass champion. Enjoy your time in the outdoors. Best of luck. And we'll chat to you next week on Twin Cities News Talk. See ya.